Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. I'm light while I write it, and as I do so, I understand why I write. To write is to recreate something as you'd like it to be. Annabelle Monahan, Nora Goes Off Script. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. And this week, I'm bringing you a bonus episode featuring author Annabelle Monahan. Annabelle's debut adult novel, Nora Goes Off Script, is one of my favorites of the year. It's a recipe filled with all the bookish ingredients I love the most, a close-knit family, a strong-willed protagonist, and a memorable home. Hi, Annabelle. Hi, what an introduction. Thank you for having me here. Wow. (laughs) I'm so glad you're here. I'm thrilled to get to talk with you. I don't do a ton of author interviews anymore just because that's not really the kind of premise of From the Front Porch. We don't do a lot of interviews. But when your name came up, I was like, I have to talk to her because I loved your book so much. And I really, as a reader, just wanted to get to talk to you. So this is this is a selfish endeavor. (laughs) Oh, I'm so happy. Okay. So I want to talk about the book a little bit. Um I read this kind of going in, knowing nothing about you as a writer, knowing really nothing about the book. I got an ARC. I was intrigued. But after doing a little bit of research, you're a writer who seems to have no problem crossing typical genre boundary lines, right? You've written young adult novels, you've written nonfiction columns, and now you've got this adult debut. And so I'm curious, what inspired you to take the leap into this new to you genre? Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit like Mr. Magoo, just moving through <laughs> the publishing industry. Um, I did start with young adults, and um, when I was waiting for those books to come out, I started writing a column, and then I really mm-hmm. loved writing my column. And maybe this book for adults came out of my column. My column is it's a lot about motherhood, it's a lot about my own life, and maybe after doing that for 10 years, I was ready to tell the story about what it's like inside a home. You know, Mm. it's a home is such a, it's an organism, right? There's so much happening and Mm -hmm. so much growth and so much cross-pollination. I think that maybe I was just finally ready to tell that story. I really love that. I think it gives writers or aspiring writers a little bit of hope too, right? Like I think now you hear so much advice about writing for a specific audience or growing a brand or I don't know. I just feel like those are the buzzwords I kind of hear. And I just like that this was more an organic, hey, I wrote this for a little while. This kind of inspired nonfiction can in fact inspire fiction um, and vice versa. And I, I don't know. It's a little more I don't know, open-handed than I feel well, like. Well, I think it's a little bit more about. like life. You know, I, I, yes. I mean, I think we should be very careful, you know, even when talking to our children, you know, you started mm. out as an economics major, you got to right. stick with it. And right. that's not how we are. We're, I mean, I'm right. a totally different person than I was um, when I started writing. So mm. it makes sense to me that I'd be writing something different. I read somewhere, maybe it was on your website or in another interview you did, but I believe you said that Nora Goes Off Script was the most fun you'd had as a writer. And I'm curious if that's is if that's true, if I read that correctly, and why do you think that was? It's actually the most fun I've ever had. Oh, Honestly, I, you know, it was a really weird time in 2020 when we were first locked down. Uh, I'm sure it wasn't just weird for me. And I, you know, I didn't know if the world was really a going concern or not. And I had all of my 
teenage and adult children home. My house was packed with people. And I started waking up at five in the morning to write this book because it was going to be the only time I was going to be alone all day. And I was very much for a long time used to being alone all day. So I would just steal back that time. And I kept waking up earlier and earlier to see what Nora was going to do. I I just got, I was really just tickled by her and by Leo. I thought about him pretty much all the time. Um, And I just had so much fun watching the story unfold, almost like I was reading it. So I I don't, it was just delightful. And I I hope it comes across on the page is how much fun I have. It certainly, I will tell you as a reader of the book, it really is obvious because I had a blast reading it. Like I, I will tell you, and this is not me schmoozing. This is real. Like I read the ARC and I don't know how authors feel about when people say this, but I read it in one sitting, like, cause I know it was so much work for you, but, but I read it and devoured it. I couldn't put it down. And then I couldn't stop thinking about it. Like I couldn't stop thinking about Nora and Leo, but also Nora's children. Like I couldn't stop thinking about this family. And so probably a month later, I still had the ARC at my house. And I thought, I really, I miss those people. And so like, I picked up the book and I read it again, which I never, Come on. I never do. Annie. I never do. Cause I just thought, gosh, I miss them. I had a good time with them and I, I just wanted more of them. Um, and yeah. so I read it again, which I, again, I just never do. But so I, I love that. I think the fun you had certainly has trickled down to us, the reader and how lucky, how lucky are we? Oh, that just makes me feel so good. And, you know, I just want to hang on to that. I want to, I want to, everything I write, I want to have fun writing. I I just, that's a, that's a goal. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, otherwise a little bit, what's the point, right? (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) So we've referenced Nora a little bit. She's the protagonist. Um, This protagonist is kind of the writer of romance scripts in the vein of Hallmark style movies. And I'm just curious about your relationship to Hallmark films. I don't particularly have one. I have relatives and friends who love them. Um, And so I was intrigued by Nora. And then I kind of like that Nora went off script and wrote a different kind of script. But I'm curious about your relationship to these Hallmark movies. Well, I'm here to admit I've watched a few. More than a few. I I actually was laid up in bed in uh, 2019 and was started watching the Hallmark Channel in like mm-hmm. like it was my job, and I was just watching these you know these beautiful small towns with the independently owned hardware store and the bakery, and I'd, I'd watch two and three at a time, and by the time I'd watched two or three, I thought, well, wait, didn't I just see this one? Wasn't this the same story, but last time she had a cupcake shop instead of a ballet studio? And I I just started thinking about these stories and how just they're, you know, within 30 seconds, you can actually predict when the guy's going to leave and, you know, come back right after the commercial break. (laughs) And I started waiting until the credits rolled because I wanted to see who was writing these movies. Uh Uh-huh. Like, I wondered, was it one super romantic person who was writing all these? (laughs) Or was this happening, like, in a conference room in, you know, Manhattan, where they were just, like, they had a formula, they were just plugging things into. Yeah, throwing things on the board, yeah. Exactly. And so then I just started thinking about Nora. I mean, that's sort of where she came from. And she is a woman who supported her family uh, and her horrible husband by writing these movies for a decade. And, Mm -hmm. you know, she does it with a bit of detachment. And, you know, a little eye rolling because she's never really been in love. So I just wondered, like, what would what would that be like to put her through just, you know, that lightning bolt romance so she Uh could see what it really is? And at the same time, one of the things I loved about 
the romance between Nora and Leo, it certainly has like, you know, the, the tropes that some of us who love romantic comedies love. And so I appreciated that, but it also is very much about Nora herself. Like I, I've hesitated even when, um, so I selected this, I told you off air, I selected this as my shelf subscription for the month of June. And I always write a little card telling readers why I picked it. And I thought, gosh, I first thought, yeah, this is a romantic comedy. This is a delightful, delicious romantic comedy in the same vein of the romantic comedies I've always loved. And then I thought, well, is it? Is it more a dysfunctional family story? Is it more a motherhood story? Is it more a coming of middle age? Like, I just felt like, oh, it's actually much, and I hesitate to say it because I love a romantic comedy, but it felt much deeper than that descriptor really gives it credit for. So I'm curious if you were a bookseller, how would you kind of sell this book? Like, how would you describe it? Hmm, that's a great question. Because I do think it's all of those things. Um, yeah. I, I would describe it as a love story and a story about motherhood. Mm-hmm. That Those would yeah. be the two biggest things. Because for people who haven't read it, you know, I every time I had Nora and Leo in a scene together these children kept walking through the room. Like they just, you know, they need a ride, they need a sandwich, they need, you know, and that is very much reflective of my own life. And, you know, as annoying as that is in real life, that is, it's annoying when you're writing too. And I couldn't get away from the fact that if, if you're a mother, a single mother falling madly in love and, you know, giving yourself over to this relationship, you have more hearts that are at risk of breaking than just your own. Yeah. And so those were the stakes in the movie, you know, or the yeah. movie. Did I just say movie? I am it not Nora. Like I did movie. not write a movie. <laughs> uh, those were the stakes in the book. It was a little bit higher than just her having her heart broken. It was what was at risk for her children. You know, it's interesting that you bring up the children because so often in adult lit, especially, I feel like the children can be too precocious or maybe too adorable or too stereotypical. And I feel like they're not particularly realistic. I don't have children myself, but certainly I have children in my life. And I often feel like in adult literature, they're kind of underserved. And these kids, I just felt like, oh my gosh, I know these kids. I love these kids. Uh, The relationship her son kind of develops with, with Leo, I found to be particularly charming, but I loved both of them and how different they were and how complete they were. And so I was curious how you did that. Is that from your expertise as a young adult novelist? How did you write, or is it because you're a mom and you have real life kids? Um, I was just, I was blown away by how much I liked these children. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thank you. I actually really love these children too. And it's funny because um, I have three sons. They're, they're not anything like these children. Um, (laughs) They didn't, and I think my sons really appreciated the fact that I didn't write characters that were like them. I don't know. I know a lot of children. um, And my, um, I didn't really realize this until after I finished writing the book, but the the arc of Arthur, who's 10 years old, Nora's son, mm-hmm. his sort of trying to make sense of his family falling apart and being very worried about his mother and feeling like he is a person who could, you know, maybe fix this with, you know, his own craftiness. That was my childhood. Um, I was very much like Arthur when I was a kid, uh, just sort of seeing my family not thriving and mm-hmm. thinking that maybe I could do something. Um, And I, you know, I did think a lot when I was writing this about children, also because it was during the quarantine, you know, where Uh my, you know, everyone was going through so much, how children process loss and grief. Mm. Um, And I sort of ran all of that through Arthur. Yeah. Um, But I'm glad you like that. Well, he's very complex. Actually, and all of the characters are, when, um, 
what I was thinking again about how I wanted to sell this book and how I wanted to describe it to, to readers and customers, I thought, gosh, almost every person in this book is likable, but nuanced. So I liked them all. I wanted to spend time with them, but they're also complicated. These are not perfect people, which I feel like is the flaw. If I may say it's a flaw in a Hallmark film where I just feel like, oh, these people are either good or evil. There's not a lot of like in between. There's not a lot of gray and I prefer a lot of gray. And so I just liked that I wanted to spend time with these people, but they're not perfect they're not perfect. They're, they felt very realistic. They felt very real. And that's true for the kids too, where Arthur is trying so hard to be a fixer. And I appreciated his character, but also, you know, wanted him to be a kid. And so I liked how complex and interesting these characters were. They felt like, they felt like people I knew. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. I, I, I really live in the gray area. You know, I, everybody I can't stand, I kind of like to. You know, yeah. there's just like, they're really they're interesting. interesting. <laughs> they're interesting. And, you yeah. know, everybody's just got something to offer and something that I would probably change if I could. So yeah. I like to write characters that way because it's just how I see people. Yeah. I also, we would be remiss if we did not talk about the house in this, in this book. So I love memorable houses in pop culture, whether it's in books that I'm reading or films that I watch. I think about, of course, Nancy Myers. I think about the father of the bride house, all of these like very memorable homes. And one of the things that I especially loved about this book is the book really, it doesn't start with Nora and Leo. We aren't introduced to Leo until later. It starts with Nora and her house and Nora and her home. And and then Nora and the little tea house that's sitting outside her home. And so I'm curious what houses kind of inspired Nora's home and maybe the tea house. And are there houses in literature or in pop culture that you love and think about? Mm, that's such a good question. Well, the house, Nora's house is a, um, it's an old house that's falling apart. It's an yeah. old, beautiful house that she's trying to hang on to that she can't afford to fix up. And the tea house, which is a one-room structure behind her house, um, that actually is a real thing. And it's unfortunately, it's not at my house. I, <laughs> in, I think it was like 2008, like in the depth of the financial crisis, I got a, in the mail, a coffee table book from some sort of a mansion home builder, you know, offering, <laughs> showing me pictures of the mansions that he was building in Connecticut or something. I mean, these <laughs> mansions had like moats around them. I mean, it was just crazy. I'm like, what is this? Yeah. So I flipped through it. And on one of the pages was, there was this back house one room stone structure with a slate roof mm. and a working fireplace and a little table that was set for tea. And under it, mm. it said the tea house. <laughs> and I left that book open and just to that page and just would walk by and touch it. Like I just loved that picture <laughs> okay, so them, much yeah. and just got yeah. stuck in my mind. And then during the days of quarantine when I had everyone home and I lost my office to my son. I lost my living room to my husband. And I was working in this tiny little chair in the corner of my house. I was daydreaming about that tea house. What, yeah. what if I could walk outside to another little area and write, that would just be a miracle. So that was sort of the fantasy. That was my fantasy. My fantasy was not the sexiest man alive coming to live in my house. Not interested. Right. <laughs> my fantasy was just having some place where I could go and write. Uh, and so I gave that to Nora. But I know what you mean. There are a lot of houses in, um, like in Rebecca. I can see that yeah. house. Yeah. I, I can still feel that house. Um, Wuthering yeah. Heights, I can feel that house. Yeah. I, I think about um, Barbara Kingsolver does a really beautiful job of writing about houses. There's a great book that came out a few years ago called Strangers and Cousins, and somebody kind of gets married at their childhood home. And I just, I love 
I love picturing these homes. Um, I, I value home. Um, and so I love the feeling I get when I walk into my home. And so the thought of these kind of, I don't know, these imagined houses, I really, I really love when houses are a character in books. I do too. And, you know, in your real life, your, your home is such a reflection of who you are. Yes. And, and what's going on in your head. Like, yes. it's possible that my house is a bit of a mess right now. Um, and <laughs> just Le- leading up to a book release. Yes. yes it really <laughs> is like a complete disaster. And, yeah. you know, and, and as you, as you take care of yourself and you get your act together, maybe you also have your house painted. I think there's a yeah. lot of character development that goes along with, with where you're living. Well, and there is for Nora too, right? Like she starts off, I don't want to spoil anything, but she starts off with this house that she can't really financially afford to fix up in the ways that she wants to. But as she kind of comes into her own as a writer and as she meets professional success, she's able to do more with her, with her setting, with her, with where she lives and with the home she's building. So one of the things I asked you was, as a bookseller, how would you sell this book? But one of my favorite parts about owning a bookstore is working in the shop. Um, You know, the paying of the bill stuff isn't as fun. But when I get to be on the floor of the bookshelf and I get to put books in conversation with one another, it's one of my favorite things. And so I'm curious, if you were crafting an end cap or a shelf and it was featuring your book, what other books might you place along with it, like on display at a library or at a bookstore? Hmm. That's a fun question. <laughs> um, you know, I've read a bunch of love stories that I've really loved lately. I just read Book Lovers that everyone loves. Oh, yes. So um, great. That was great. Um, have you read The Summer Job by Lizzie Dent? Yes, I have. Yeah. I, I really loved that one. It's got a great setting, too. Yeah. I would, I would try to pull out all the romantic stories that I could think of. Um, you know. Maybe even The Love of My Life. Have oh, you read yeah. That? Yes, the Rosie, Rosie Walsh. Walsh. It's so good. Yeah. The language in that book is so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I just love that book. I It is excellent. Uh, re- would make a really good book club book. I was thinking, I read earlier this year a romantic comedy, a romance called uh, Funny You Should Ask. And I feel like your book is Funny You Should Ask meets Bomb Shelter by Mary Laura Philpott. Oh. I think those are the two things that would make... That you, you could knock me over with that compliment. I have just read Bomb Shelter. And so I have to say, it's like Mary Laura is a genius, but with her heart. Yes. yes. Her heart is yeah. just like she really speaks and connects with her reader right from there. It's wow. That Please put me on the shelf with Mary Laura. I'll take it. Okay, great. We'll do it. Okay. I, of course, you know, because this Nora is this character who is writing scripts and she's writing movies um, and a movie is being filmed in her home, I immediately cast this book in my head. I was like, who would I cast in this in this movie or TV adaptation? And I'm curious if you did the same. I'm always curious about this with writers. Did you picture anybody while writing this or was it just, no, the Nora and Leo are specific in my mind. I don't need, you know, a Hollywood star in mind while I'm writing this. I'm just very curious as a reader, did you also do this or is it just just us readers? Well, no. So when I when I was writing, I really didn't. I can picture Leo. If he walked into my house, I'd say, Leo, there you are. I mean, I can actually see him completely clearly in my mind. But it's been interesting to he- my friends of mine will read this book and they'll say, oh, Brad Pitt, right? And I'm like, no, God. But there's not much of a description of him. So I think people bring whatever it is. Oh my gosh. What a, yeah. That's, that's their fascinating. own fantasy. 
That's so interesting because I, so I read this and immediately, and I'm normally, it's on the internet, I'm more attracted to the blandly handsome men, like the not very attractive, like just normal looking guys, kind of nerdy looking guys. But the whole time I pictured this, I was like, oh, it's Chris Evans. Like that is who this is. It's Chris Evans. And then a friend of mine read it and she was like, Annie, did you just picture Matthew McConaughey the whole time? And I was like, no, <laughs> I pictured Chris Evans the whole time. How could you not? And so that's very funny that you're like, oh, there was really weren't these descriptors. So we're bringing we're bringing our own fantasies to the yeah. table. I suppose. But you know, it's very funny that you say that though, because I was taking a walk recently and I was listening to a podcast. I think it was Conan O'Brien interviewing Judd Apatow, mm-hmm. and I was thinking all of a sudden I thought Leslie Mann is the perfect Nora. You know, she's oh, the right amount funny and quirky yeah. and sexy. And I just, I love her. And then I immediately thought Matthew McConaughey. Oh, that's funny. So I don't want my friends friend. will be thrilled. Yeah, that is, I <laughs> didn't think that when I was writing it, but I thought, yes, I could see that. I could see him being sort of smoldering. Oh, that's so funny. I'll have to tell her she'll be thrilled. Um, okay. So when I do interviews, I always try to ask the same few questions. So I've got some kind of standard questions that I like to ask. So the first is, what is a classic book you've never read, but you wish you had? I've never read any Russian novel. Oh, okay. None. None of them. None of them. And I you, I feel like I should do that as a person. You know, so 2020, yeah, <laughs> the, the years are running together. But 2020, I started... Anna Karenina, because that was like a bucket list book that I'd never, I wanted to read. I bought it when I was in high school and never, never finished it. And so a friend of mine through the podcast started to do Conquer a Classic. So we read Anna Karenina together in 2020. And then last year we did Middlemarch. And this year we're reading Count of Monte Cristo. Wow. podcast listeners are kind of joining us and we read a section at a time. But Anna Karenina was quite good. Um, I highly... I recommend it actually. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I get lost in all the names, but you know, yeah. maybe maybe I'm older and I'm not in school anymore and I can just <laughs> just I focus can, I can get through it. Well, and as my friend and I, we're big picture readers and if you just know a few of the characters, that's really what's most important. Like, like if yeah. you just Oh, I like if that. If you just know a few, then that's really if you know the main characters, that's really the important part. Right. Okay. So From the Front Forge is a podcast. Uh, We're a podcast out of the bookshelf, an independent bookstore in South Georgia. But I'm curious if you are a podcast listener. And if so, what are some of your favorite podcasts? I listen to Every Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Conan, he's he's very funny. Um, I listen to Smartless. Have you heard of this? Yes. Jason Bateman. Yeah. They're so funny and they have the greatest guests. I also listen to A Certain Age. And you may not be old enough, I'm just because I'm looking at you. <laughs> but it's a wonderful podcast uh, by Katie Fogarty. And she talks about all issues that pertain to women over 50. Your okay. career, your love life, your health, your uh, just your finances, everything. It's, it's a great podcast. Oh, that's good. That's the first time um, I've heard that one mentioned. And I have heard of Smartless and I've listened to some, but I've not tried the Conan O'Brien. So I'm curious about that one. He's so funny. It's just, and sometimes people will text me during the day and say, I just saw you walking down the street with tears pouring down your face. (laughs) And that's, I just laugh. I mean, it just feels like a great break. Oh, well, we kind of need that. I think we We need that right now. Um, I'm curious what you're reading right now. 
I am currently reading On Gin Lane. It came out yesterday yes. uh, by yes. Brooklyn Foster. Yeah. Uh, it is a really fun summer book set in the Hamptons, historical fiction. Uh, it's great. Oh, I love that for summer. I frequently say on the podcast that during the summer, I only want to read summer set but like books set in the summer because it's yeah. excruciatingly hot here. And I really don't want to read about people like frolicking anywhere. I want to read about people who are sweaty and like if there's salt air, <laughs> like that's all I, that's all I want to read. Um, and so I do like books that are kind of set in, in beach towns or. Yes, yeah, I do too. Summer. Okay. I think, yeah, those are all of my questions. I was just thrilled to get to talk to you today. Thank you so much. Oh, Annie, thank you. And thank you for spreading the word about this book. I mean, I have I can't tell you how many messages I get. Annie told me to read this book through Instagram <laughs> and all over the place. Yes, I really um I'm thanks for being so enthusiastic. I am curious. We're recording this a week before uh, the book comes out. What um are you doing a book tour and what are kind of your book tour plans now that we're I don't know. I don't even know what era of the pandemic we're in anymore, but I am curious what a book tour looks like for you. Is it virtual? Is it in person? Is it both? No, I've, I've had my second booster shot. I am getting on an airplane. I have, I have a lot of things in New York, um, and then I'm going out to Los Angeles. I'm going to North Carolina, I'm being upstate New York and Rhode Island. and I'm, I'm going all over, Wonderful. just like a regular person in the regular world. It's just oh, delightful. <laughs> I know. It just feels crazy. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, you know, hopefully somebody will walk my dog while I'm gone, but yeah, I'm really excited to just get out and talk about it. Uh, yeah. And meet readers. How wonderful. I know one of the things during the pandemic, we were one of the per perks, I hesitate to use that term, but we were grateful because we're a small bookstore kind of in the middle of, of nowhere, um, to put it kindly. And so it was nice because I did get to do some virtual author events and that was new for us. And authors were so gracious and kind, but there isn't anything like the in-person experience of getting to hear an author read their own words, getting to meet them in person. I just feel like that's so special. And as much as I loved having the opportunity to host virtual events for my store, I'm grateful that authors are getting back into the world and meeting readers. I think some, there's something about that face-to-face -face that's so important. Me too. And I, I feel that as a reader and as a writer, you know, yeah. on, on both sides of it, it just feels so much more meaningful. Well, good. Thank you, Annabelle, so much. Good luck on your book tour. I'm so excited for your book to launch next week. I can't wait to put it in people's hands. So thank, thank you. you very thank much. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode of From the Front Porch. For more bonus content like our Conquer a Classic episodes and our monthly lunch breaks, you can become a supporter of the bookshelf on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch and you'll have access to all sorts of bonus content like this author interview. Special thanks to Annabelle Monahan for her time today. And I hope you will consider ordering her beautiful, charming book, Nora Goes Off Script. You can do that at bookshelfthomasville.com. This week, I'm reading This Time Tomorrow by Emma Straub. From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelfteville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, bookshelfthomasville.com. A full transcript of today's episode can be found at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com. Special thanks to Studio D Podcast Production for production of From the Front Porch and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. 
Our executive producers of today's episode are Donna Hetchler, Angie Erickson, Cami Tidwell, Chantal Carls, Nicole Marcy, Wendy Jenkins, Lori Johnson, Kate Johnston Tucker. Thank you all for your support of From the Front Porch. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Your input helps us make the show even better and reach new listeners. All you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look for From the Front Porch, scroll down until you see write a review and tell us what you think. Or if you're so inclined, you can support us over on Patreon, where we have three levels of support, Front Porch Friends, Book Club Companions, and Bookshelf Benefactors. Each level has an amazing number of benefits like bonus content, access to live events, discounts, and giveaways. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week.